How do you pay, man? Huh? If you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Straight cash, homie. Well, all right. Yeah. ten grand to me. Yeah. You know, ever since I turned pro in 1989, when I signed the dotted line, it was strange. Welcome back to the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. We're back at it again here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast iTunes page and SoundCloud page. My name is Neil Rule, local sportscaster here in the Detroit area. The voice of the operation, I'll introduce you to the brains of the operation. He is Cam Evans of the Evans Law Group, sponsor of this show as well, and also a pivotal sports management. So, Cam, welcome back here. NFL playoffs in town. This is... This is the time of the year, man. Like with the NFL season, I really get into these first couple weeks of the playoffs. There's games going on all the time, and and this is where, this is where contracts are made. This is where guys get paid, and and there's no doubt about it. This is the prime time. It is the prime time for the players, and it's prime time for the coaches because, you know, they may not be getting paid after this season. Uh, depending on how their playoff um, you right. know, uh, year uh, ends up. And uh, there's a lot on the line for everybody that's involved. Yeah, there is no question about that. And, Cam, you've got, you got a future in this business, man. That's a great segue to what we're going to get into. Of course, NFL fans the world over know what happened with John Gruden and the Oakland slash soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders, uh, a 10-year deal worth $100 million. And there was a story, a headline that really caught my eye and SB Nation did this story, and they talked about how John Gruden's 10-year, $100 million deal would would transform the head coaching market. And surprisingly enough, Gruden's not the highest-paid coach in the NFL, even with this deal. And, and we all know the uh, the master in New England uh, is pulling in about $12.5 million per, and rightfully so. He's earned a, he's still underpaid, uh, in my mind. But John Gruden is, is an interesting case, Cam, not only from the, the standpoint of it's $100 million for 10 years, which, which certainly in and of itself is interesting. He's been out of coaching for 10 years. He was in the ESPN booth making $6.5 million per to do Monday Night Football, to, to commentate on football and do a couple pl- playoff games a year. Certainly a, a very, very sweet gig that's nowhere near the time constraints, that's nowhere near the scrutiny, that's nowhere near the on-taking that, that coaching NFL team is. And the, the stories about John Gruden, his legendary work ethic, sleeps three hours a night, lives in the office, all those types of things, the, a competitor of the highest nature. So I'll just, I'll just get real basic on you. And again, you're, you're, you're an agent in Pivotal Sports Management and everything that you do. I think I know the answer, your agent answer to this question, but, but does this contract, does this 10 years, $100 million, do you agree with that? Does it transform, transform the head coaching market? Um, you know, it all depends on what your definition of transforms is, but it's certainly going to have, you know, an effect on it. And effect's going to be driving up the uh, the salaries of, of coaches um, because now this is what the market is willing to to pay. Now he comes, he's been out ten years from not being on the sidelines, but you know he is somebody who has a, a Super Bowl championship, um, had success. Uh, he got traded. As a coach, as a coach, right? I mean, so he's somebody who has who has value, who has stayed in the forefront. What a cool story, by the way, to be able to say that. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> um, and and so and and he has a a relationship with the ownership of the Raiders that's you know different than most coaches uh, or potential coaches, and 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 had coached there before. They wanted him back. Um, they're making the big splash over into Vegas. Um, and so I think there's some other things here that m- 
may reduce the likelihood of this really being a transformative uh, across the board sea change and all of a sudden all contracts looking in this area um, but it's going to drive up the cost of coaches because agents can walk in there and teams know now this is the price to pay poker is that we're looking at something along these levels and if you hire somebody who's never been a head coach before let alone have with a super bowl victory yeah you want to know something you can pay them less but you're going to be paying them more than you would have been two or three years ago and, and it certainly is a, a dynamic changer for the coaching game there is no doubt about it from that perspective but as we talked about Bill Belichick making about $12.5 million per. The second-highest-paid coach up until Gruden signed this deal was Pete Carroll, and he was making $8 million per season. But it was interesting to me, when you look at, at coaching salaries right now as a whole, Cam, does it surprise you that the gap between one and two is that big? I mean, you're, you're talking $12.5 million to $8 million with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's got Super Bowl wins on the resume as well. But, I, and again, don't get me wrong, Bill Belichick – is in my mind is still underpaid at, at 12 and at, whatever he makes he, he's not going to be paid enough because he's he's the chef that makes the dinner you know the, the the soup's not as good if he's not making it there's no question about it and there isn't anybody else in the world that can make the soup as good as he makes it so therefore he's always going to be underpaid does that surprise you to see such a big gap between one and two yeah between one and two and, and as you go down that, that is a widespread between the top um and now it's obviously we're at you know 12.5 and 10 with Gruden's deal, that it's been narrowed a little bit. Um, but you also have a situation, uh, you know, that, that, that coaches do not come up for extensions as often as, they, you know, players do or I think you can renegotiate their deal. And, you know, the NFL is a short life for players. It's a short life for head coaches too. And so, you know, if you're year three of a, you know, in a, in a situation with a coach, you know, are you going to sit there and really going to, you know, extend most of them five, six years and, you know, pay them a lot of money? You know, typically not um, because the, the, the relationship between the coach and the team does not historically last that long, except in some rare situations. Um, and so you get some other dynamics that are at play here. Uh, but, you know, Gruden certainly, you know, made a splash and it's going to in all, you know, there's plenty of teams looking for head coaches right now. And as the playoffs uh, continue and teams get out and those positions get offered, um, this will be something that's going to have an impact on you know, what type of offer uh, are these new uh, potential head coaches looking at. You're listening to Straight Cash Homie podcast here on the Straight Cash Homie iTunes and SoundCloud page. He is Cam Evans of the Evans Law Group and Pivotal Sports Management. My name is Neil Rule, local sports broadcaster here in the Detroit area. And Cam, one of the – one of the, the collateral things that has come along with this, and you and I have talked about this a, a little bit in the past, not to great detail, but now that the, the rumors are that the NFL is poking around saying there might have been some Rooney Rule violations with, with the Raiders. And, and I think, and, and I don't think this is an outlandish statement, I think the Raiders had their guy pegged, and that was who they wanted, and that's who they were going to get no matter what. And so they isolated their guy, they went attacked, they wrote the check, and they got their guy. So now the talk is, did they violate the Rooney rules? Meaning, did they, did they interview a minority candidate? And you flip that, and here in our area, here in the Detroit area, of course, Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, 
has interviewed for some jobs. And he came out into the media and said, I think the, the quote was along the lines of, I feel like I was a box that was checked. That's fair to say. I think it's an accurate thing of it. Sometimes in his prior interviews for head coaching positions that they needed to comply with the Rooney rule. And he felt some of the interviews were not as energetic or he was really not uh, you know on somebody's radar screen as uh, his other interviews. Uh, and that was his sense. And you know he was making that in the press conference when he was introduced as the uh, Bengals' new defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things because if there's a violation, if the league determines there's a violation of the Rooney rule and that the Raiders did not in good faith consider a minority candidate for the head coaching position, well, you know, then you're looking at you know what type of you know penalties or sanctions is the league going to hand down on them. Uh, in the past, know. that's been forfeiting draft picks. I mean, things, things that can have an impact on your franchise. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, and um, you know, I think, you know, looking at it in 2018, you know, society changes, uh, it evolves, and, and the sensitivity of, of issues, including racial discrimination, you know, it, it's at a higher level now than it has been in the past, even five or six years ago. And so I, I think that the NFL, who already has a public relations issue. <laughs> Do they really? Yeah. Kim, we had, we've never talked about we've that never, here on the Straight Cash Homie podcast. We've never talked about the kneeling <laughs> players and everything else. But, <laughs> it, but it's going to be one of the things of, um, you know, if they don't come down in a way that's perceived by the general public, or at least part, a significant part of the public, as being hard enough for the violation. They'll speak out. What repercussions they are, are are you going to face out there? And then if if that's the perception um, that you're playing this all lip service, what does that how how if at all does that impact on who the new owner is going to be of the Panthers and, and who the owners are going to approve? Because obviously you have some very very um, high profile extraordinarily wealthy um, uh, minority um, potential owners. I call them potential owners because they said, I want an interest, and they have the means to do it. Right. So that puts you as a potential owner. <laughs> when, you, when you got the cake, you can have the party. <laughs> That's right. It's all, it's all about the cash. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, you, you kind of got to look at, you know, the ripple effect or how, you know, what you know, decision today, how it impacts, you know, other things that are going to get a lot of media scrutiny. And, and something's really important to, to the NFL. You got 32 teams that means you have 32 sets of owners um, and this is a big thing that's going to happen you know with the Panthers being sold right and, and getting into that which we will and we will in just a couple of seconds but but Cam this is something would you like to be Roger Goodell right now would you like to have that chair I mean everything. under his new under his new contract well, <laughs> yeah well and that's uh that's that's another thing uh, to to be talked about but I just I'm talking about from the standpoint of how Everything with the National Football League is becoming this huge deal. And not only that, they're catch-22, so the Rooney Rule. I'm, I'm for that, right? I mean, everybody should get should get a fair crack at, at, at becoming a coach and, and everything like that. You, you certainly should. But at what point does that cross? The, because I think it, when it was introduced, it was introduced in good faith, and that's what it was, to, to ensure that everybody would, would get an opportunity. And, and I think at, at its root, that's what it was supposed to be. But now, as this goes on, does it become a disservice to minorities? And with that, when you get caught up in the middle of all this stuff, because Terrell Austin is, is going out publicly and talking about that, that's certainly not the look that you want if you're the National Football League. So, what, so Cam, what do you do? Don't know what you do. Yeah, exactly. Except that you recognize that there is, there is a problem from the standpoint 
of, and they've been trying to fix it for a while, but the pipeline of coaches who are minorities who are qualified to be head coaches, you had to start filling that pipeline mm-hmm. and saying, okay, Rooney rule, you know, good intent, we're going to do it. You have to, in good faith, consider at least one minority candidate for every head coaching vacancy that you have. And there's a lot of good that comes of that, even if there's not any offers that are made to the minority candidate. Right, you get in the circles, which, is, which is half the battle. That's right, and, and it opens up the team's eyes that, yes, we need to you know not have blinders on. Right. And maybe, you know, that they'll interview somebody and it's not the head coach, but, man, you know, he was great. You know, we should be looking for something else for him. But you're, you're dealing in a situation with a professional sports league that has historically been controlled and dominated by white males. All right? That's just what reality is. So how do you go about changing? And I think they have started the process to do it. But now you're going to be sitting here and saying, all right, is this the best rule? And it's always good to be able to go back and revisit this and say, can we do it better? And the question is, how do you do it better? Um, and that is something that I don't have the answer to. Right. Um, but it is something that I think that there's enough smart men and women out there who are involved in this game who can put their heads together and find out something that is an improvement of uh, of the Rooney rule. So you, you you still have the avenue opened up to qualified minority candidates. So they get head coaching positions and they're not and they're not rejected simply because of their race um and at the same time um you know being able to in a broader sense um address the you know racial issues that impact the nfl right and, and there is there is no doubt about that you're listening to the straight cash homie podcast brought to you by the evans law group my name is neil rule he is cam evans of the evans law group and pivotal sports management make sure you subscribe to the straight cash homie podcast on our iTunes page, all you got to do is search Straight Cash Homie Podcast. You found it. This, you got this far on your own. All you got to do is click subscribe now and also available on SoundCloud as well. But th- this this spins well in, into what I wanted to get into next. And this is a big topic of discussion, especially uh, this week as we record this show here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. Le'Veon Bell is in the news. And earlier in the week, in summation, threatened to retire if the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are currently franchise-tagging Le'Veon Bell right now, I believe the salary is right around the $12 million mark that he makes, if they don't get a long-term deal worked out, Le'Veon Bell has threatened to retire and did that during the week, said this during the week of a playoff game. You're, you're essentially three games away from the Super Bowl right now this week. I'll, I'll ask you to put the agent hat on, and I, and I have my suspicions. That wasn't by accident, right? I mean, because in that, Le'Veon Bell is is somebody who has a stage right now that if it were week 14 of the NFL season, he wouldn't have. Would, would you say that was by accident? No. Or no? No, not at all. I mean, this is designed to give him as much leverage as possible, increase his leverage in the negotiations. He is looking for a long-term deal. Franchise tag to him, given his position – is incredibly risky because although he's going to get a chunk of money for one year, it's a one-year deal, and so if he get injured in week two, he's going to have his salary for that year guaranteed for injury, and so he gets paid, but he's not getting a long-term deal with a lot of he's long-term. He's not getting guaranteed. a dollar more. No, yeah. and and this is a and he is in a high-risk 
position. And not only is he in a high-risk position, he is in a position that has one of the shortest life expectancy of any position in the NFL. And he's one of those guys that puts it on the line the most out of all those said guys that you just said. This is a cat that gets a rock about 400 times a year. Yeah, so his body gets beat up. Right. And all of a sudden, is it, you know, next year, if he gets franchised again at the end of next year, has he lost half a step? And this is, it, it is a concern for any running back. But somebody is him who gets work. He is a workhorse mm-hmm. that, you know, you're, you're looking at it solely from a financial standpoint, let alone however emotionally he is going to take it as a slight. And he may not. I'm just saying, but those are the things you look at. I'm feeling he will. You know, you're taking, <laughs> you're doing this because you can take advantage. You're taking advantage of me, although within the con- rules of engagement, you can franchise me. But I don't have to take it. And if you really, really, you know, cared about me, valued me, respected me for the player that I am and, you know, what I, what I give to the team, what I give to the community, you'd be looking at some type of a long-term deal. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, and the great thing about retiring in the NFL is you can unretire and you can come back. And so even if it turns out that he, he retires for a, for a while – it doesn't mean that he the Steelers can't you know strike a deal with him when he comes out of retirement, uh, but it's certainly got to be if you're sitting in there in the in the Steelers organization, um, it's it's got to be a concern because now if you franchise him and he doesn't doesn't play and just retires, um, then you have a team that has been disrupted because he can't right now you're not looking at replacing him with anybody. Not let alone on the roster or in the draft or any other free agent. He is somebody who is very difficult to replace with one player. The quote from Le'Veon Bell, uh, as told to CBS Sports, I just want to get the numbers straight, exactly where we want them. I'm not going to settle for anything. I know what I do. I know what I bring to the table. And I'm not going out there getting the ball 400 times if I'm not getting what I feel I'm valued at. So I'll, I'll ask you this then, Cam Evans, who who – you know, very experienced sports agent during your time. If Le'Veon Bell or a player like Le'Veon Bell was your client who and was in a similar situation to what Le'Veon Bell is in right now, how would you advise that? How how would you advise that going forward? Well, you you look at it from the standpoint of what does the player want uh, and what is his wish list, um, and being able to advise them on pros and cons and the risks associated with accepting any particular deal. But in this situation, you know, if if he can, you know, ha, has done what he needed to do off the field from the standpoint of financial planning and, and, and being smart with the money, and he does not need a one-year deal worth 10 or $12 million, um, and he can live a life and be happy uh, without that money, then you're going to say, is it worth it? Is it worth what you're going to do to your body? Right. And potentially – you know, some very serious consequences if they're just going to franchise tag you um, and not come out and say, we want a long-term deal with you and and recognize what you bring to the table uh, and what you do. And especially in the running back position. Um, So, you know, you'd have, there's a lot of things to consider. Um, And I think he is different than Kirk Cousins, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because quarterbacks, you know, typically you're not having career ending injuries. Or if you lose half a step as a quarterback, you lose a little bit off that ball, you know, you're still going to be around somewhere. Mm-hmm. You might be number two. You're still going to be starting somewhere. Um, but there, th- that is a different animal than the running back position. 
Speaking of different animals, Cam, wanted to touch on this with you as well as we're talking NFL football here on the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. He is Cam Evans. My name is Neil Rule. Appreciate you checking us out here on our iTunes and SoundCloud page. Cam, the the Carolina Panthers ownership group, and and we won't get into the semantics about why it's going to change. If you're a sports fan, you're listening to this show, you know what the deal was with with Carolina Panthers and their ownership and and what's going on there. The moral of the story is the team's going to be sold. And what we're interested in here, what I wanted to talk to you about is who it gets sold to could change the fabric of sports ownership, not only in the National Football League, but across all of professional sports. And this is unique in that you have guys like P. Diddy lining up. He wants he wants to own the team. You have guys like Steph Curry that want to be involved, who, who is in an athlete that's in the very prime of his career right now, that, that's racking championships in the NBA, and his earning potential is just absolutely off the charts. Do you see a day where, say, you know, just for just for example, discussion's sake, Steph Curry puts together a group and rolls in maybe with P. Diddy and says, hey, we're going to buy the Carolina Panthers. Is there a day coming where an athlete in the prime of his career in another sport will own a team in another one of the major sports? We've seen it We've seen it in the minors, and we've seen it like in arena football and all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. But I'm talking about blue-chip, primetime professional sports. No, no, no. No? A hundred times no. no. I, I do not see the owner of the NFL – approving a new ownership team that is going to have um, current star professional athletes from another sport, especially in the United States, um, involved in the ownership. Because I think that it's only going to add to distraction. Um, There are distinct differences in interest between being an owner and being a player being an employer and being an employee Mm -hmm. and I think um, justified or not that there is going to be grave concerns of the other owners that if we open the door what is this going to do from the standpoint of unity of ownership on certain issues Um, the ability of you know of Steph Curry who has unlimited access to the media and how many followers on Twitter and Instagram and all that other stuff to be able to go out there and be viewed as undercutting the interest of the owners in the league in the NFL by advocating things for players. Um, and they get to decide who gets to be in this very elite club. And as long as they're not doing it for racially improper means, um, I don't see another professional athlete at the prime of their career um being able to own you know have having an ownership stake in another professional sports in the united states i think too much at risk and it takes some of your shine too if you're the nfl it take it takes a lot of your shine and and there becomes a you become almost a cross promotional league from that perspective right i mean you're you're therefore now selling the NBA because you, one of their their prime time players is a part owner in your league, right? And 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 the other standpoint is, I mean, a lot of egos abound in the ownership, really, and, yeah, and the athletes. Really, so you, a, do you honestly believe that, Cam? <laughs> I don't know that I buy that. There may be a few things that we agree on, and uh, <laughs> but you know, the other thing is, you know, from the standpoint of the NBA and and, and Curry's situation, you know, as a player. 
you know, he, he can advocate for certain things in the role of a player and employee, which maybe that gets undercut if he has to put on, well, from an owner perspective, and I am an owner of a, you know, a major professional sports team or part of it, I can see it a different way. So, I mean, it could cause him issues um, depending on what, you know, issues are being advocated uh, that it relate to the NBA and the NBA players and collective bargaining agreement. And it's, it's a complicated issue. And it I think, is. And I think that, um, you know, the NFL is not going to want to make a, a difficult situation even more difficult. No doubt about it. I'll tell you what you don't make difficult. Knocking down these episodes here of the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. Can't believe we've been in the lab here today. And the time flies by, Cam. It, it really does. This is interesting discussion. I, I love being a part of it with you, man. Good job as always. It's always great to be here. And thank everybody for, for tuning in and giving us a listen. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt about it. If you like more, you can subscribe to the Straight Cash Homie Podcast here on iTunes and SoundCloud as well. He is the brains behind the operation. He is Cam Evans. My name is Neil Rule. Thank you, everybody, once again for listening to the Straight Cash Homie Podcast. Well, see you later.